Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And we're actually doing a little mini series currently on Medellin, Colombia, which is actually one of the biggest digital nomad hotspots in the world and the biggest digital nomad hotspot here in South America. I just spent a good month uh, over there, uh, you know, uh, in different suburbs, from Loros to El Pablo to El Centro to Envigado. I organized my own digital nomad master workshop there. I had a different, few different speaking gigs, and I met some fantastic, fabulous including a guest today. Uh, our guest today is Alan Yager, and he's actually the chief editor at Medellin Living. And, uh, he's been living in Medellin uh, for several years, and we're gonna be finding out about Alan and his background as a uh, world traveler, a digital nomad, and now uh, uh, his passion for Medellin. Um, so let's uh, get a quick introduction, Alan, if you wanna quickly share a little bit more about yourself. Okay, sure, yeah, so hello everybody. Um, so, uh, well, I'll start from the beginning then. I'll talk about, um, I'll talk about when I first left the United States then, uh, Ricky. Is that a good place to start, uh, I think? Okay. So, um, so, uh, well, when I was 20 years old, uh, that was uh, way back in, uh, like 1989. Uh, so kind of even really before, before the internet for the most part, um, I, uh, and I sort of had the, had the itch, like a lot of digital nomads uh, can fully understand. Uh, you know, I was a couple of years into university, uh, but I really had this sort of itch, this desire to get out and see what else is out there, you know. Uh, I've always had this sort of fascination with languages, you know. Uh, you know, uh, growing up in South Texas, you know, I, I had Hispanic friends, and I always thought, well, you know, what language are they thinking in, you know, if they're just walking down the street or whatever, thinking to themselves, are they thinking in English, are they thinking in Spanish, and these would be you know, bilingual friends of mine, you know. And so I was always fascinated with this whole idea of language and, you know, what's intrinsically, you know, what, what is it that, uh, that, uh, uh, that it me does it mean to be bilingual, think another language. So I always felt like something was missing. You know, when you're studying a language from a textbook, uh, it's not quite the same. You know, you're translating. It's not quite the same as being there, living, sort of living a language. So, so yeah, so like I said, after a couple of years in university, um, I decided that, you know, try to do something different. And, uh, Stopped going to my classes, uh, started going, went to the library. Unfortunately, there was no internet. You know, nowadays, it would be easy. A couple of clicks, and, and you've got a plan. You know, let's go to Spain. There's English teaching there. And that's what I ended up doing, but I kind of you know, got lucky to discover the opportunity. that I ran into a student uh, from one of my classes, and he hadn't seen me in class. So he asked me, oh, hey, you know, what are you doing? And I said, well, I think I'm going to you know, go live abroad, you know, maybe teach English in Mexico. And he happened to have studied abroad in Spain uh, the previous semester. He says, no, you should go to Spain instead. You know, there's a lot of demand for English teachers there. And, uh, and uh, so I did a little bit of research and got some back issues of the uh, El País, you know, the newspaper there uh, from the library. And I saw there was a lot of demand, a lot of classified ads uh, saying that they needed teachers. So I basically bought a one-way ticket to Madrid. I uh, had got my passport. And about two weeks later, I was, uh, I was in Madrid. Uh, looking for English teaching work, and uh, and you know, I got a bit lucky. You know, at that time, this was late 1989. Uh, demand was really high. I had two two part-time English teaching jobs within about four or five days, and um, so it was very nice. And it turned out to be a really good decision for me. I, I loved I loved Spain. I've since lived there a second time as well, uh, 2007 2008, and uh, so really totally fell in love with the place. Uh, the nightlife, you know, people are very open, friendly. Uh, got my Spanish up to the fluent level within a few months, you know, so, and of course, and I discovered, you know, exactly what it was I was looking for, this idea, 
you know, what it was like to think in another language. You know, after a couple of months, you know, I began to dream in Spanish. I would wake up in the morning and I'd be thinking in Spanish first, you know, when you're still kind of half awake, half asleep. So, um, so that's what got me started on. That's sort of what got me into the sort of gave me the, uh, the nomadic bug, if you will, you know, and, um, you know, after that, I traveled around Europe a little bit after about one year in Spain, uh, went back to the States. Um, and then after, after some years, uh, uh, got the itch again, uh, spent a little time in Mexico, a little bit of time in Thailand, you know, which, uh, you know, as it turns out, these are, you know, now very popular digital nomad hotspots as well, of course. And, um, but, you know, wasn't really fully content. You know, I think that the difference with me um, compared to a lot of the, let's say, the standard digital nomad is that I'm more of a slow mad, you know, more of a digital slow mad, uh, as, as, uh, as some digital nomads will put it, you know. And, um, and, you know, for me, I, instead of needing a few weeks or a couple of months, I need more like a year in a place, you know, to really feel like I know the place, to feel like kind of comfortable put out a little bit of roots, you know, get to know the language a bit, the people. So Mexico and Thailand didn't really do it for me I, in, that, in that regard. I spent about six weeks in each one. Uh, then after those, and this is coming up to about the year 2000 or so, or actually later, 2002, I finally tried Montreal. I had some Canadian friends from New Brunswick who uh, had been fellow teachers when I was in Madrid. And over the years, and they, afterward, they kept telling me, you know, you should check out Montreal. Uh, it uh, has a lot of similarities to Madrid. You know, I kept saying, well, yeah, I'll get there eventually. You know, I think part of it's that there's a sense of familiarity. You know, for Americans, you know, Canada is kind of familiar. You know, if you're looking for something exotic and different, you're like, well, I don't want to, why, why am I going to go to Canada for? I, although I have always liked Canada. I was like, like Canadians. When I lived in Seattle. I visited Vancouver a number of times, loved it. Um, but, you know, this friend of mine kept emphasizing to me, well, you know, Montreal's different. You know, you got the French Canadians there, you know, and that, that makes a difference. So finally, in about 2002, I guess I was probably looking at the map or something, you know, where to next. And it's kind of like, well, maybe it's time to give Montreal a try. And so, so finally I went in early 2002, totally fell in love with the place. Uh, I think one thing about Montreal that I like is you've kind of got the familiar. If you're, if you're coming from an you know, Anglo culture, like the United States, you've got the familiar and you've got the foreign both in one place, you know, because uh, it's being very much a bilingual city, you know, French and English speaking. And I think that's a good, that's a good balance for me. It's a good mix for me uh, having that. Um, uh, you know, so I had a lot of, you know, English Canadian friends, a lot of French Canadian friends. It's got that similar. Uh, I sometimes say that um, I think, I think uh, French Canada is Quebec is sort of like the forgotten Latin people of the North, you know, because when we think of Latin America, like in the States, you know, uh, we might include the U S uh, because we've got a lot of Hispanic people, but generally we say from Mexico on down, right. You know, Mexico on down to South America. But in a way, you know, the French Canadians have a lot of these similarities, right? They're very social. They get out a lot. Uh, human contact's very important, you know, rather than being on the computer all the time. So, um, so I think that was part of, part of what I really liked about it. Uh, so I ended up staying there for five years, which for me is quite a while. Uh, you know, since that time, I've averaged about a country per year for, let's say, about 10 years, you know. So Montreal was able to hold me for five years, uh, which uh, which is uh, an accomplishment. You know, uh, so um, so yeah, so five uh, five years there, and then um, and then I uh, uh, so so I didn't really get into doing. It was about that time, or a little bit after that, uh, uh, I, I moved back to Europe. So that was when I went back to Spain the second time, 2007, 2008, and that's when I started getting into more, let's say, typical digital nomad kinds of things, right? You know, I. I taught English when I was in Spain the first time, um, 1989, 90. 
but of course, a lot of these location independent jobs, you know, started coming along later. And I got into eventually some freelance writing, uh, uh, freelance proofreading work. And um, so spent about eight years in Europe, uh, about a country per year uh, for eight years. Um, I'll just run off a few of them, I guess. I'll say Spain. I was in Madrid again, Budapest. Uh, Belgrade was one of my favorites, you know, former Yugoslavia. Um, and uh, let's see, Czech Republic. I was in Prague for about a year and a half. So, um, so basically, um, uh, uh, basically, some of that work is kind of what led me to where I am now. You know, eventually I went back to the States, was kind of missing it after like 13 years away, 13 consecutive years living outside the States. So 2015, I went back, uh, spent a year in Chicago, uh, but then began to get the itch again. And pretty much what led me to Columbia is a little bit of sort of who had uh, uh, ridden his motorcycle, more about an adventure, adventure kind of adventure nomad, you might say. Uh, and he rode his motorcycle uh, uh, around South America for a couple of years. This was maybe five years ago. So, um, so about, uh, about two years ago, um, uh, I decided, okay, time to leave the States again, talk to my friend. And, uh, you know, I asked him, well, which was your favorite country in South America, you know, when you were down there traveling around? So he says, well, I really liked Colombia a lot. You know, people were very friendly, very open. And uh, so I get like on, you know, numbeo.com, you know, one of the cost of living, you know, calculators. And, um, and, you know, while I'm chatting with my friend on Facebook and I see that the cost of living is quite low, you know, around that time, let's say two to three years ago. The, the, the dollar had gone way up against the Colombian peso, you know, maybe about 50%. You know, maybe from $1 would buy 2,000 Colombian pesos to $1 buys about 3,000 Colombian pesos. So, you know, of course, that made the cost of living much lower, you know, here in Colombia for people coming with, uh, with hard currency, you know, uh, dollars, euros, et cetera. So, uh, so that pretty much convinced me. I was kind of like, okay, well, my friend is recommending it. It's a Spanish-speaking country, which is something I want right now. And I think I had that feeling of um, at the time that, after living especially in some Central European countries where I didn't speak the language, I didn't speak Czech, I didn't speak Serbian, you know, that feeling of wanting something kind of familiar again, you know? Uh, and uh, uh, so, um, so that's partly what motivated me to go to a Spanish speaking country uh, rather than a country where I didn't speak the language. So yeah, so, so, that, so then, uh, so I did it, uh, made the decision and uh, moved down here about one and a half years ago now. Uh, so it would have been like early 2000, uh, uh, early 2015. Oh, sorry, early 2016. Yeah, so about one and a half years now, and uh, and yeah, it's gone. It's gone pretty well. I started off in Bogota and got a little bit impatient. You know, Bogota is some of those sort of big city. You know, time is money and everyone's in a hurry kind of thing. And I, I still like certain things about it. It's more cosmopolitan, I think, in some ways compared to uh, Medellin. Uh, but after three months, I decided to give Medellin a try. And it's a, a better fit for me. Uh, the people are more warm and friendly, open, uh, uh, you know, even for a big city, you know, for a city of two or three million. Um, it still has a little bit of that, has a small town kind of feel, you know. 
and uh, and of course the weather is great. Uh, the cost of living is low, uh, so definitely has uh, has some big uh, some big pluses. Um, and uh, then let's see. In the case of Med, I'll go ahead and get into Medine Living. Then uh, how I ended up working for Medine Living. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I was going to ask you about. Um, and thanks for sharing the whole backstory, though. It was great to uh, learn a lot about all these different cities and countries mm -hmm. and kind of the, um, the reasoning behind your choices. Because sometimes um, we see the outcome, but we don't see the reasons behind the decision. So thanks for sharing. So now you're based in Medellin yeah. and absolutely loving it. Um, and uh, there's actually. Um, a great website called Medellin Living, uh, which uh, I used quite a bit when I was there, and it's a quite a famous site for people coming to Medellin. Why didn't you firstly uh, share us with a little bit of the history? Uh, what is Medellin Living, and then how did you personally get involved in there, Alan? Right, sure. So, um, like you said, it's a very popular site. Uh, I think it's got about fifty to 60,000 unique visitors per month now, and, uh, and it's, um, you know, it's one of those stories of you know, a personal blog. Um, there was a, 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 um, a, a blogger from the U.S. named David Lee. So he came down here and discovered Medellin back in 2009. You know, it was kind of the early days, you know, back when there was still, you know, much more stigma than, than there is now. People were afraid to come down here, you know. And um, so, excuse me. So he came down in 2009, started this little, you know, personal blog. I, I think the main uh, um the main idea, I think, was just that you know he, he loved it so much and he wanted to share that, you know, uh, expose other people to it, help people understand that it's not so dangerous like people think, uh, and um, and so so we started the blog and then you know it, it grew and grew. Uh, I think he was doing most of the writing initially, uh, then he got some guest bloggers coming in as well. So it grew over time, and uh, I'm unfortunate never met David, but I just recently started getting in contact with him uh, uh, over the internet. And he left Columbia um, about, I think, about a year and a half ago. He sold the site. Uh, he just decided to, to 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 move on and leave Columbia after after some years. And um, so, but I think he was very good with SEO. You know, so he was really good about building up the SEO of the site. Um, so that's uh, what's you know really uh, brought the site to where it is now. He has you know really dominant position um, uh, with with the SEO, a lot of traffic. And so, um, so the way I ended up getting involved was. Uh, just like you, I uh, and many others, um, you know, I was searching for information on Medellin before I came here. I wanted to do a little extra research, you know, just to be on the safe side. You know, Medellin does have that strong stigma, and he, even though I I know not to, to believe everything that I read and hear, uh, still, you know, you want to be you want to be careful, you know. So I was doing research. So I read a lot of articles on Medellin Living also, and um, and so I uh, um, so that's how I initially was familiar with it. Then after I was here for Let's see. Um, I guess I had been. Um, let's see. This was January of uh, January of this year. So yeah. So after I was here about a year, about a year in in, in Colombia, um, uh, and I wasn't reading the site as often. You know, like a lot of people, they arrive and then they're not not as active, not as you know looking for information as much after they've been here for a bit. Uh, but in their in the email newsletter, the weekly newsletter newsletter that we send out, um, they had a call for writers. You know, saying oh, Medellin Living is looking for new writers. And uh, so I thought, wow, what the heck? You know, I, I had been doing my own personal blog uh, during the time that I had been in Colombia for the most part. And um, so I thought, and I've always had a love for writing. When I was in high school, did a lot of writing. So, um, so I thought, wow, I'll give it a try. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll send them a sample of my, from my blog, uh, some of my writing uh, about Colombia, uh, see what they say. So they told me they were interested. Now, this was January. This is about January of this year. And uh, so they got back to me, said that they were interested. 
So I started off, you know, writing a, a, a writing a couple of articles for them, and then as it turned out, you know, the site's kind of in this transition. You know, uh, we're still kind of in that transition now, where these investors had bought the site a couple of years ago, uh, but had not um, had not really, uh, uh, let's say, the site had not really been fully monetized, and uh, so they kind of wanted somebody to kind of work on selling uh, sponsored posts to some of the local businesses. So I volunteered to do that. Uh, and then, um, they had not really been doing, uh, meetup events. And so I said, well, you know, I've had some, some experience when I lived in Europe, I helped organize some, some expat events there. So I volunteered to help with that. So, you know, now we've got a good, you know, regular, you, you attended uh, one of the ones while you were here. So now we're getting pretty steady turnouts, you know, about, uh, about 80 to hundred people uh, each month. And I really enjoy that part because it gets me off the computer interacting with people, you know, and. And, and that's part of the downside for me. I love the mobility of, 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 of remote location work. Uh, but uh, on the other hand, I don't like being on the computer all the time, you know. So, um, so that's given me a chance to kind of mix it up a little bit, you know, have some contact with the community, uh, but while also doing work uh, online. And, uh, and, then, and then finally, the, the role that came up is that the editor uh, of the site uh, left uh, about two months ago now. And uh, so they needed somebody to fill to fill that role. And so since I had already been kind of helping out uh, uh, with other things, I think it's a little bit of a sort of right place at the right time. You know, I kind of happened to be in the right place at the right time. Um, I volunteered to help with a lot of different things. So it was just kind of a natural thing when, when the other other editor left uh, um, for them to uh, um, allow me to assume that uh, assume that role. And um, and like I said, I had experience, previous experience proofreading. I've always been a very good proofreader. Have a really sharp eye for detail, um, so um, so yeah. So that basically that's how I ended up uh, becoming editor. And so now I'm wearing like you know three or four hats, you know, uh, doing you know, ad sales, event organizing, some writing, edit editing. So awesome! Uh, yeah, you know, you've done a great job, and I did. I did actually end up going to one of the Medellin uh, living events. It was phenomenal with so many different people. Uh, out of all the events I was in in, in Medellin, it was probably the most well attended. I think. That one it was uh, over 100 people, and uh, I was in the room, and I was like, I want to talk to that person, and that person, and that person, and unfortunately, it didn't have enough time to connect with everyone. But uh, great right. job running these events, and um, uh, you know, the, the website's uh, phenomenal in terms of the content. I'm curious to know uh, what are the major topics and themes uh, within Medellin Living, because obviously, uh, it's targeting people who are tourists, people who are expats, digital nomads, right, um, and even locals, right? So t tell us about. Uh, what are the themes and topics to target all those different subgroups? Okay, sure. Yeah. So yeah, as you as you've noted, we have sort of these sort of different demographics that we have to kind of cater to. Um, as we definitely get the we, we get the tourists, you know, here maybe who are here only for a few days or a week or two, and then we get the people, let's say, on the other end of the spectrum who are especially like say let's say retirees uh, who uh, you know they're here for good, you know. Uh, and uh, and so um, so yeah so that that gives us some sort of diverse demographics and for the ones who want to move here like I said a lot of them being retirees but also some people who are younger who let's say they've met a Colombian right and they're going to get married so 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 they they're they're moving here permanently as well uh, you get some digital nomads which might be fall in between you know that some digital nomads who want to stay beyond the six months that they're allowed uh, on their visa that they want to stay longer so so some of them are interested in staying longer as well. Uh, they're kind of in between. So for that reason, we do uh, do a pretty good number of articles relating to visas, you know, uh, uh, visas that relate to, uh, 
there be there and there's quite a number of options available from everything from investment visa where you might buy property and get your residency that way to so student visa which can be something as simple as studying Spanish at one of the uh, accredited schools then uh, you've also got the you know the relationship visa uh, which can be just uh, it's actually quite flexible here it can be someone who's just basically in a relationship or, or married here um, so we try to we try to cover that we try to cover safety issues because of course that's one of the big concerns for um, for a lot of the foreigners coming here just like it was for me before I arrived um, so we try to talk about uh, um, safety precautions that you can take uh, and you know generally your know, Medellin is quite safe especially if you stay stick to the neighborhoods that, that you named earlier that where you spent some time uh, Poblado, Laureles, Envigado these are the three most popular neighborhoods uh, with the foreigners and uh, you know these neighborhoods everything is is generally quite safe. There's a lot of security in a lot of ways comparable to, to, to a lot of big American cities. Uh, uh, you know, certain neighborhoods that you know you're not going to go to. Uh, they're a little bit rougher neighborhoods, poorer neighborhoods. But in general, you stick to the safer neighborhoods, and everything is okay. Uh, we try to cover restaurants quite a bit, you know, especially things like more specialized things that are a bit harder to find. Uh, you know, vegetarians, you know, come here, and uh, it's a bit harder to you know they don't have as many vegetarian restaurants as you would have in the U.S. or Canada or in Europe. So we do quite a few restaurant reviews. Uh, we try to cover the nightlife. You know, uh, a lot of people come and they don't know, uh, they don't know too much about the nightlife and where to go over different kinds of different scenes, different kinds of music. Uh, so that sort of thing. Uh, medical care is a pretty, a pretty big, uh, pretty big topic. So we've done articles uh, rating um, some of the hospitals. Uh, fortunately for those of us living here, the Medellin had I can't remember now the exact number, but several of the hospitals that rank, let's say, in the top 10 or 20 in Latin America, uh, there's a number of those that are located here in Medellin. So, so it's uh, has quite a good reputation for, for medical care to the point that there's even some medical tourism, right? The people who come here from countries like the States or Canada, uh, and they can get the same procedure done, let's say, especially surgery that's, that's you know, uh, not urgent, you know, uh, dental care as well for a fraction of the price, they can get that same work done uh, down here. So, uh, so we try to cover uh, uh, those kind of topics. Um, and we're trying lately to get more into covering the digital nomad uh, domain, because as you, as you mentioned earlier, uh, that's huge here. And Medellin has pretty much become the, uh, the digital nomad, you know, uh, destination of choice for, for uh, uh, in Latin America, a uh, you know, very popular uh, city. And of course, it's got a lot of the ingredients that digital nomads like, you know, it's got the good weather, the low cost of living, uh, at the same time, you know, uh, safe and uh, and good infrastructure. Uh, it's got the only metro system uh, in uh, in Colombia. Uh, even Bogota, which is a quite a bit of bigger city, doesn't have a metro system. Unfortunately, doesn't have a subway. So um, so yeah, we're trying to cover more of those kinds of subjects. Um, trying to get into covering some of the co-working spaces because, of course, this is an important thing for digital nomads to have. Uh, a uh, good place to do their uh, to do their work and uh, good stable internet connection. So um, so yeah, I think those are those are pretty much the main. Uh, we try to do neighborhood reviews. That's a good example of something that that uh, caters a lot, especially to the people who want to live here. Now they're asking which neighborhood should I live in? Should I live in Aureles? Should I live in Poblado? Well, what are the pros and cons? You know, is Poblado too touristy for me? You know, maybe Aureles would be better. And um, so we try to give some idea of the flavor of each neighborhood. You know, uh, by covering those. Awesome. Um, so, you know, it's a great site, as I mentioned, uh, lots of different info and resources 
Um, Alan, so now uh, you're based in Medellin. I'm curious about your future going forward. You've obviously lived around the world. You mentioned a lot of the different cities and countries and continents. What about you? Where do you see yourself in the next few months, years, and beyonds? Is it going to be Medellin, the U.S., or somewhere else around the world? Are you going to slow mat it or just stay in Medellin? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I find myself, uh, you know, after, after some years now of, 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 of moving around you know, from one country to another, I find myself somewhat yearning to, to, um, to stay in one place or to at least maybe change up kind of my modus operandi, you know. Um, I, I've thought about, especially because the work I have with Medellin Living is not entirely location independent. You know, I do a lot of work online, but I'm also organizing events. And um, if I'm doing some ad sales, I might go and you know, meet with uh, a business owner in person here. Of course, I can't do that if I'm, you know, if I'm down in Argentina or if I'm over in Europe. Um, so I've thought about I might be able to have uh, something in between where I have, I have a home base here in Medellin, uh, but then do what would be more like conventional traveling. You know, maybe go travel to uh, uh, Argentina for a couple of weeks. So that one's kind of high on my list. Uh, Brazil. I really don't know any of South America except for Colombia. So, so I'm eager to, you know, get out there and check out the uh, other South American countries. And um, so, uh, so yeah, that, that I, I'm not quite certain right now, but uh, my, my feeling, my, what I'm leaning toward is, uh, is kind of changing things up, which I, I, I have just recently been reading about some other digital nomads who have actually given up the life and, and, and they're now staying just in one place. Some of them have gone back home, gone back home, let's say, to their hometown in the States. And I don't think I would ever quite do that. I can't really see myself um, going back to the States uh, permanently. Uh, but, um, uh, but I think, uh, I, I could do something that, that's more like having a home base, like in Medellin and then traveling from here, you know, uh, spending some time in other cities and, and then coming back to Medellin, uh, um, coming back to my, as a home base, you know. Sounds good, Alan. So if people wanted to connect with you, ask you some more questions about your travel life and also about Medellin living, uh, what's your website and different social media handles, uh, through how they can reach you. Right, sure. So um, the uh, my personal blog is uh, alantravelsalot.com, and that's Alan, A-L-A-N, and then travelsalot.com. Uh, there's a contact form on there, so people can contact me uh, via, via my personal blog. Uh, of course, medellinliving.com is uh, the, uh, the, the website that I work for here in Medellin. Uh, I can be contacted through there, uh, info at medellinliving.com. Always looking for you know more interesting uh, guest bloggers. So anybody out there uh, uh, who's currently living in Medellin or has previously spent time in Medellin uh, and uh, has a blog idea, by all means, uh, send us uh, idea for a post. Um, always looking, like I say, for, for interesting different kind of content from different perspectives. You know, we like to get perspective of different uh, different uh, different readers. Um, so uh, so those two ways. Um, and on Facebook, my, uh, my Facebook page for my personal blog is, it's the same. So it's, um, uh, um, Alan travels a lot, uh, all one word uh, on Facebook. And, uh, let's see what else for people who are actually in Medellin or let's say they're going to be in Medellin soon. Uh, if they want to attend the events that we talked about, uh, it's basically Medellin living, uh, Medellin living events. They type that on Facebook. Uh, they should find our, uh, our events group. And everybody's welcome to join. Uh, we've got a few hundred members on that right now. So uh, by all means, people can join. And in, in, in the future, right now, we're doing that on a monthly basis. We're hoping to add at least one or two more events, uh, maybe a language exchange night. And so, uh, so yeah, if uh, readers or listeners uh, join us on there, then they'll uh, we'll keep them up to date on all the events that we organize. 
Awesome. Yeah. So thanks again, Alan, for your time today in the midst of your busy schedule. And uh, thanks for having me, Ricky. Connect with you again. It was great to connect live in person over there in Medellin, and now right. again uh, virtually uh, through the power of technology such as Google Hangouts, YouTube, and podcasting. And I'll have those links below, everyone. Uh, so uh, if you're interested uh, in Alan's personal blog, I'll have the link there. And also, if you're interested in the Medellin Living blog and also all the events they run, uh, make sure you check it out. And if you have any questions about Medellin, definitely uh, reach out to Alan. He'll be happy to answer them for you. Uh, sure. So thanks for tuning into this episode. Uh, of Digital Nomad Mastery, where we're doing a little mini-series uh, with different um, digital nomads and expats who are living, working, and traveling through Medellin. We've already um, had, I think, about five different guests, um, including Jonas from uh, Digital Nomads um, Guides, Eleni, uh, who's actually uh, living and working there, and then uh, we interviewed uh, Herman, who's actually the founder of Digital Nomads uh, Medellin, and um, almost, Stephanie. Um, you had Stephanie from the bloggers. Yeah, Stephanie Linder. And Davis, so we actually covered a lot of different. Yeah, you covered some uh, good ground. Yeah. Yes, covered some good ground over there in Medellin. Right. Um, it's one of my favorite countries in South America, if not the world. So, if you have any uh, questions about Medellin, uh, you definitely reach out to Alan, and I'll have the, those links to the other interviews on there. Uh, if you want to watch more and learn more about Medellin, so thanks everyone for tuning into this episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. <laughs>